0: You're listening to The Shine Podcast. Whether it's business or personal growth, we believe in shining bright, encouraging women through conversations, tips, tricks, and resources along the way. Keep shining with host Shauna Starr, business owner, photographer, pink hair enthusiast. When she's not working, you can find her at the gym, the beach, or with her little dog, Murphy. Hope you're ready to smile, sparkle, and shine. Today, I'm speaking with Mandy Gaddis, and we've been talking about doing this show for a few months, actually, ever since we first talked. And before we jump into what Mandy is up to, because y'all, she's killing it on the online community and educating women and helping them, I do wanna touch on how we actually met. I was dating somebody, like seriously dating them, and during that same time, he was also pursuing and continuing things with Mandy and reaching out to her as much as possible, and she didn't know about me. But when she did find out about me, she reached out after trying to find me online for months And ever since then, she's been reaching out to me, making sure it was okay. And the first few weeks after my breakup, she was checking in on me daily and encouraging me. So I'm so thankful for her. But to say all that, it's definitely not a conventional conventional way to meet, but I'm thankful for her encouragement during that time. And these topics she's going to be diving into are very similar and right on track with how we met. And it's a little bit difficult to kind of absorb, but it's very important. She's worked in the mental health community and a social worker, so she now specializes in speaking about narc abuse, domestic violence, infidelity, infidelity, and also with her own experience and what she's been doing to help women through that and herself as well. So Mandy, thank you. So happy to have you and to chat with you again because it's been a little while.
1: <laughs> thank you. I'm actually really happy we're doing this. It's been, yeah,
0: it's been on the books. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you share such deep and important things with the world.
1: Mm. Um. So I use YouTube to make cha- or to make content for survivors of narcissistic abuse or people who are actually going through um, relationships with you know either romantically or like family relationships. It could even be a work relationship with someone that's just taking advantage of them and meets diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder.
0: Mm-hmm. And you still, you said you use YouTube and you're just kind of sharing and educating women more and more. And when did that start? Um, So I would say when I first
1: found out about narcissism, surprisingly, was not in school. Um, You would think working in social work that that would be like something that is just drilled into our heads. But honestly, it's not. It's very, um, it's just sort of glazed over. It's not really anything they go into great detail about. And I, I do remember cluster B personality disorders, which is what narcissistic personality disorder falls under was covered, but we mostly just talked about borderline personality disorder, which Mm. is like, it's like, uh, it's in the same house, but it's a different room. It's a smaller room. It's less pervasive and less, um, pathological. And there's more hope for change with, those individuals. So we learned about that. And in practice, um, I did some filled social work out in the community and I might've had one or two individuals with undiagnosed borderline personality disorder, but I never had anyone with narcissistic personality disorder on my caseload. So I didn't really have any like direct experience with that. And then I found myself in a really toxic relationship And I just really started studying his behaviors and Googling and trying, like asking people questions and joining Facebook groups and just trying to figure out behind the scenes without him knowing what the reasons for his mistreatment of me were. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And I'm still surprised, like you said that you really didn't learn about that in the context of being in the mental health community as a social worker and that you never came across those cases. It's
1: surprising to me too, honestly, because I, you know, this, I'm in a lot of support groups still because I like to, um, contribute there and, you know, healing isn't linear. I say this all the time, Mm -hmm. still going through the process of healing. So though I'm, I'm out here like offering help and validation to people, I'm still going through the struggle myself. And I see a lot of people bring up this issue that, so many therapists, so many social workers in the community just do not get or understand what these relationships look like and how toxic they are for survivors, for the people who are in them. And it's, um, it's really become obvious to me that it's the, the armchair experts, the victims of narcissistic abuse that are really the subject matter experts so much more than anyone who's educated in mental health. Mm -hmm. And I stand by that, including psychiatrists and, you know, those like higher education, you know, academia types, Uh, the people who are actually living through it, know it front to back. We just don't have the psychological terminology to go, you know, with that. And so, That's why I think when I got into this, that I I have something unique in that I've survived it, but I also know the terminology. um, I know my way around the DSM, the diagnostic criteria, you know, guidelines, Mm -hmm. and I've I've seen this both, you know, behind the desk and then as the person who's receiving services.
0: Absolutely. You're totally right, because I think you connect with women out there in a completely different way, like you said, because you understand both sides of that. Um, and really how to heal, even though, like you said, it's not a linear process, and you're still healing, and I think part of that is continuing your education and helping other people as well, so I'm I'm so damn proud of you, honestly. it's You're dealing with a lot, and still, we were just chatting before we hit record about some things that you're still going through. It's not done. It's not a completed thing, so that's... No, I
1: appreciate that. That's really validating. But I want to add just one little thing too. this is something I wasn't really aware of, despite the fact that I worked in this field. You said this is a lot. This is something that a lot of women are going through. And I didn't realize that like 45% of victims of narcissistic abuse are men. Really? Yeah, a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, research material out there that says most women who have narcissistic personality disorder or show like High-level traits of narcissism are misdiagnosed as borderline personality disorder. Um, diagnosticians are really hesitant to give them the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. So, so men are just sort of left out, you know, adrift. And so much of the material that's out there on YouTube and in manuals uh, just isn't applicable to them because. Despite the fact that both men and women can have narcissistic personality disorder, they operate very differently in Mm. certain settings, like, um, like affairs or infidelity. They just, they operate incredibly differently. Um, and a lot of narcissists can be, a lot of mothers that you see people have these like really toxic relationships with are narcissists.
0: Now, why have you read into why they're hesitant to call a woman a narcissist?
1: you know, that one I'm not so sure about. So I don't want to, you know, speak outside of my lane, but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I am interested to see like what other people, you know, have to say about that. I haven't really studied that part. I just know that I've never met a female that was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, they're, they're generally just, you know, borderline personality disorder. That's what they're labeled
0: with. That's interesting. I would really like to read into that as well. Just if, they tend to manipulate it differently so it's harder to tell that would be incredibly mm-hmm. and
1: some some differentiating characteristics between the two are you know i always think about this like one really clear telltale sign because all of the cluster b personality disorders they sort of look alike mm-hmm. in that they have really unhealthy interrelationship dynamics so they're going to be the people who Say really cruel things, and I'm not talking about just like regular arguments, but they go for the jugular. They, they no no blow is too low, um, no dig is too painful. They're the ones who uh, you'll see a lot of physical violence with, um, lots of infidelity. Um, but behind the scenes, a, a narcissist. Is a narcissist, regardless of whether or not they're diagnosed. It's a spectrum. So, you know, people with borderline personality disorder are on that narcissistic pers- um, spectrum, just like people with narcissistic personality disorder. And behind the scenes, though, the 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 person who's diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder isn't going to be the one who's like having breakdowns in public and coloring their hair a thousand different colors <laughs> no offense we love you no you're good <laughs> I love that and you know you know I'm rocking my own vibrant hues. you but, are
0: and it's gorgeous I love it
1: but yeah. that's just like textbook what they tell us to look for like how many things do they have in their face and girl you know I'm covered in tattoos yes but it, it's it's that that look of a unique look coupled with volatile, explosive, interpersonal relationships. And Mm. so it's a lot of factors, but you're not really going to see that with the narcissistic personality disorder people. They actually look really cool and calm and composed on the surface. So I don't know where this uh, thought of mine started, but we've just spiraled into this and I'm not sure how to tie it back in. Together, no, but no,
0: it's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's still, it's huge. So, but let's move into a little bit of your story because I know you touched on it just a tad bit, but tell us your story and then how it changed and grew into sharing and helping others as well. Mm, yeah, so I met
1: this guy on a dating app, which so many of us use. So I'm not talking down on dating apps. Sometimes that's just the most practical thing. Mm -hmm. And he was gorgeous and tall and funny and like everything I looked for in a man. And he and I connected almost immediately. Um, we were very into each other just right away. Um, That's when the love bomb started. Uh, If you've heard of love bombing, it's Mm -hmm. where they basically just tell you everything you want to hear, make you feel like you're the most special person. And he started with the love bombing, um, but by week three, he was already um, emotionally, verbally, and physically abusing me.
0: Now, how long were you with this person then?
1: Uh, We were together for a few years. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, we were together you know, quite some time, which is, you know, when people are looking into the situation, they, they say, well, why would you stay with someone who was physically abusing you by week three? Like the obvious response to that is, you know, looking back on that situation. Now I would ask, you know, myself that Mm -hmm. back then, why, why were you staying with somebody who was abusing you? But you know I've, I've figured out through my own education and ed, and helping and educating other people that I was uh, trauma bonded to him and that happens when uh, you know intermittent reinforcement happens when they they love you and then they hate you and then they love you and then they hate you and they uh, cuddle you and then punch you so that back and forth creates these Bonds between you, you know. Interestingly enough, so does constant affairs, the infidelity. That uh, you know, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but what you experienced mm-hmm. and what I experienced yep. that create drama bond. It makes you feel closer to them because of the lows they bring you to when you're crying and on your knees and begging to understand how they could do that to you, and then them you know, conversely saying something like you are the best thing, the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. I can't believe I did this to you with Mm -hmm. the tears and the, you know, you know, all of the, the, the BS stuff they feed you gives you that high and low effect. So you probably also, I don't want to assume things, probably also experienced a trauma bond.
0: Yes, no, you're absolutely right. And so through that and now, and I know you still have some experiences with this same person how did that situation kind of grow into sharing and helping other women then? Well, I and not just I, women, but yes, yeah. I know what you mean. We yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so
1: I remember um in the thick of it, so I had been with this person for you know, years of secret hidden abuse behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it it was really horrific abuse and this just trigger warning for people who are listening. It was, you know, a lot of punching and breaking things and busting holes in walls and punching near my headrest and, um, locking me in and out of the house without my shoes on or, you know, driving erratically with me in, in the car, which you'll see with a lot of abusive relationships, um, that's the primary thing that abusers will do is they will drive really erratically. They're like, well, I'm going to die and I'm going to take you with me. Um, lots of threats of self harm, lots of threats to harm my family, which is part of the reason why I stayed, uh, at three weeks in when he was abusing me mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, set on several occasions, uh, choking me, putting his hands around my throat. Um, and just really horrific abuse, really horrific abuse. And, around the month or two or three months in, I started to really keep watertight records because I started to worry that either he was uh, like he had amnesia or something, Mm -hmm. or I was imagining things because he was so proficient at gaslighting. And, and if you know the people who are listening, don't know what gaslighting is. It's basically just an abusive person's way of convincing you that what you know to be a fact is uh, something that didn't happen. Mm. So you could see them walking out of a house with a girl or walking out of a restaurant with a girl and they'll drive off. They'll pull into their home. You'll pull in behind them and they'll literally accuse you of being crazy. Like you didn't see them with that person. And so he was doing that a lot with me and you know, I just decided I'm going to start keeping records so that I can prove to myself and also in some situations prove to him like this did in fact happen. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing with a the narcissist. They know it's happening, but they rely so heavily upon gaslighting because they need you to fill um, off balance because that's how they emotionally manipulate you and get you under their thumb and extract that supply from you. And your emotions and energy are supplied to them. And that's what they feed off of. So they need you to feel like you're questioning your own sanity. And I started keeping watertight records. Um, and I had amassed probably three years of records and I'm talking thousands of pictures of abuse, bruises, Mm -hmm. videos of him admitting to it, videos of him doing it, um, audio recordings of him admitting to stealing my property, just a really, really toxic, horrifically abusive relationship that I couldn't understand. Mm. And at the time I didn't know that was gaslighting. And so, you know, over the course of those years I really started studying and I absorbed all of this information. I read all the books. I watched all the YouTube videos and if anyone out there is listening, I recommend The Little Shaman. Mm. Uh she is the person who saved my sanity and my life with her videos. I don't know her personally, but her videos are amazing and started watching her videos and that's when I started to clue in like, Oh my gosh, maybe this person I'm with is a narcissist. And, um, I was after I, um, completely ended the relationship and went full, no contact. So I blocked his number. I wouldn't accept his, uh, text or phone calls anymore. Um, it was at that point when I was really in the thick of healing and I was absorbing more and more of this information that I decided you know maybe I'll start making like um uh, maybe I'll start a YouTube channel and I'll just um talk about what's happened to me and I thought I, w- I thought I would do it in more of a sort of like a a a blog I guess a, a yeah. vlog Yeah yeah <laughs> of like of what I had experienced it would just really be for me and like that nobody would see it and I kept that hidden I never sh- um I never posted that on social media or anything And surprisingly, it just took off. Like, Mm. I think I have almost 3,000 subscribers now, which is a lot in YouTube land. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: I'm I'm not surprised, though. The ones that you've sent me uh, when we first started chatting in October, once in a while you'd send me some. And each one was – well, you have such a beautiful, calming voice anyway. So when you would come and speak about it, it was so soothing and healing. Um, They're just wonderful videos. So, And I will link – to your stuff at the end here too. We'll chat about it, but it's so important to have those out there and, and not Mm -hmm. just the education, but the, unfortunately the experience, like you said as well to come from that point.
1: And I think at the very end of my relationship was when it occurred to me that he probably has something called antisocial personality disorder, which is like a step above narcissistic personality disorder. Those are the real, those are the Ted Bundys. Those are the you know those are the people who have no empathy or only learned empathy, and they're the people who are not afraid to commit crimes like arrestable offenses is what sets them apart from the other personality disorders hmm. and they're the people who abuse their wives or um harm children or harm animals or you know, lots of corporate fraud and that sort of thing. And he's operating more on that level because, you know, another tie in is that in the same way that I reached out to you, I actually reached out to some of his exes and I just, in the same way I did you, Hey, um sorry, this is probably an uncomfortable topic, mm-hmm. but do you have a second to chat? And, you know, several of his exes too actually told me that he was abusive with them as well. Mm. And that's when I knew I was dealing with something that wasn't my fault. Uh, that was very validating for me. I mean, I've known all along, it's not my fault, but when you have someone abusing you, you start to be convinced that it is your fault somehow. And just having these other women share their experience with me is sort of what I'm doing on YouTube because the people who are searching for these videos are going through some really traumatic stuff. I, I, the, the things people post and share with me just blows my mind and you've heard my story. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine how much worse it has to be to blow my mind. And it's like the, it's like a sisterhood or a brotherhood, <laughs> a personhood <Yeah>. of <laughs> all of these like mutually suffering people who are just trying to like survive and no one can understand unless they've experienced the situation, how horrible it is to be trauma bonded to a person who's mistreated you for so long.
0: Absolutely. Something that I remember we talked about in October together was when you were reaching out, making sure I was doing all right was something that I was questioning myself in my own strength and I remember you talking about this and I want to hit on it today just for people listening if they're going through this is that um, they those type of people tend to bond or get close to or choose men or women who actually are strong it's not weak because I was like oh my gosh I must be this weak person if I've put up with this kind of treatment right Um, um yeah so that- speak on that just a little bit because that was something that really helped me
1: well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll share a little bit of a personal experience. Um, you know, the end of my relationship with him was uh, sort of tied together in this pretty little bow of infidelity in which he cheated on me with a teenager, mm. and a, a legal, of, of legal age teenager. Um, and she was just one of two or three girls that were very young. And so what you're saying is, is the is the truth, and in your case, that is what happened. You were someone that was like prime time supply. You were the juiciest peach for the picking, and you were you are what so many women would love to be. You and I can tell you from personal experience. Uh, you know, not to go into too many details, but when I finally did find out about you, mm-hmm. that was one of the things he said you know, she's a really wonderful woman and she's really smart and she's fantastic. And she has all these things going on for her. And my first response was, why are you doing this to her then? Mm -hmm. And that is exactly why you looked so appealing to him and why I looked, I assume about myself that I looked so appealing to my ex, but on the flip side, they also target people who are young, vulnerable, malleable, easily manipulated. And, are in that stage of life that we've all been in where we aren't really our best. We're not like shining examples of what we could be, but Mm -hmm. we have a lot of hope and we have a lot of potential. We're diamonds in the rough and they go for people like that as well. So they target both sides of that spectrum, the really, you know, intelligent, well-established humans. And then the ones that are easier to take advantage of. And that's how they differentiate from like, child abusers in that child abusers will groom the, ch- they go after the children who don't look like they're going to stand up for themselves or fight for themselves. And, uh, they won't go after people like us. So that's, that's where narcissistic personality disordered people are, are different. Mm-hmm. They're romantic relationships. They, they can get supply from, um, nurturing or p- pretending to nurture back and build up a lost, fragile, um, sort of wounded soul. And also from standing near someone like you or I who have a lot going for us our the glow that comes off of us, shines on them and makes them feel worthy of the attention that we're getting. It feels like their attention.
0: We're sharing it. Hmm. That's so interesting that it would be both. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, and that's what I was going to say. That's the part of the story I was going to share. So, um, at the very end, I found out that my husband was having an affair with a 19-year-old girl. And, you know, that was horrible enough on its own. But um, I gave him chance after chance to terminate that friendship. Of course, he at that time was denying it was an affair. But I knew. And if this is if this is uh, nothing more than just validation for those who are listening right now, if there has been any point and you and I talked about this where you're questioning whether or not someone is cheating on you mm-hmm. and your instinct is flaring like fireworks are going off inside of your spirit and your inner self is telling you run, trust it. Mm-hmm. You were having those same feelings and so was I, mm-hmm. but I, I just never in a million years thought he would cheat on me. But then, you know, come to find out he'd been cheating the whole relationship with various people. But this particular person was of the more young and malleable and vulnerable, um, group that I was talking about earlier. She was, she was super young. She looked nothing like me. Um, she was very mousy and just sort of, you know, coming into her own and she soon started changing her entire personality to that of mine. She changed her whole look, uh, to be just like mine. And Um, you know, she, she really has set about for the last year and a half to sort of, not sort of to stalk and emulate me to the point of really kind of terrifying me. So that's what I'm still dealing with at the end of that. relationship because these relationships are never, you know, they're never, they never close uh, neatly.
0: No. And yeah, that's what we were talking about. Like you said, you had just been posting before we started recording about this same girl who's, it's not stopped. It's not, it's just grown, I guess, with time and become more and more. And, um, yes. And with those
1: people, those
0: individuals who are
1: easily manipulated, you will see a lot of something called narcissistic abuse by proxy. And that's where the narcissist will use someone else to hurt you so that they don't get their hands dirty. Hmm. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's using her to still psychologically torment
0: me without contacting me. We haven't spoken in a year. Wow. So, From this outsider perspective of people listening, what are some things, and I know there's so many, but are there some points that maybe we can look for in an abusive relationship before we jump the gun and say, yes, I'm in a relationship with this person? Are there some signs we can try to find?
1: Um, I would say the number one sign is, are they love bombing you? I truly believe that there are there's somebody out there for everyone. And there's probably somebody out there that fireworks are going to go off instantly. But the difference is over the long haul, you're going to see that they aren't seeking out to destroy you or hurt you or suck you dry. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a the narcissist, they say everything right in the beginning. They tell you, they love you very early. They want to live with you very early. Um, they want to marry you. Uh, they, they do think they move with such rapid speed that you feel really special And that is a red flag.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's so hard to do, especially when you're younger, because it feels so good. You know, you just feel like, yes, I am special. Exactly like how you said. That's a, absolutely. Yes, they make it wonderful. Yeah. What are some things then that we can work on the people who are not people in the relationships who aren't the abusers that can then be more aware? What are some habits that maybe we can instill in ourselves to see that easier?
1: Mm. So the number one thing would be to establish your boundaries and stand by them. Our boundaries tell people how they're allowed to treat us. And Mm. if we keep moving them back to accommodate somebody's piss poor behaviors, then they just become a recommendation and one that we really don't believe in. Oh, you're absolutely
0: right. I think that was, well, you were the one that told me I should go buy that book. That was the Why Men Love Bitches. And that's like such a huge one is boundaries and valuing, valuing yourself enough to set those up. And it's been huge. I've been implementing them in a completely different way. And so thank you for that too, by the
1: way. <laughs> I love that book. I've, I've been recommending that book for years, even before I even knew anything about narcissists, just because it really teaches you how to navigate those garden variety, toxic like F boy relationships out there.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh,
1: You know, and then you add the extra dimension of somebody who, so there are people in the world who inadvertently hurt you to serve their own purposes and their own needs. Mm -hmm. And those are the, you know, garden variety asshole type boys that, you know, they, they just want to sleep with you and ditch you and, you know, they don't treat you right, but they really don't have like harmful intent on their minds. Right. And then there are the narcissists who actually get pleasure from your pain. And that's like a totally different
0: beast. So as soon as I read that book, I've been telling everybody about it. Men and women, all alike. Anytime relationships come up, I mention it. And then I have to quick say, it's not just being a jerk to people. It's really valuing yourself and setting those boundaries up, just like you said. So I think it's a great read for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Agree. Do you have any advice for people listening where they maybe are in a place where they feel stuck in a relationship or how to get out and, and all of that?
1: Mm, that's a good question because that's the hardest part is mm. knowing when to leave and actually having the courage to do so are leaps and bounds apart. And that's one of the things I have to say that I am so proud of you for, you. like just being an outside of, outsider observer of what was going on in the relationship. I was beyond impressed that when you were done, you were done.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I had made some mistakes (laughs) in that as well, as you know, but having somebody that also understood and you checking on me in a way that was from that same capacity, like you understood that part meant a lot because I felt like I had somebody on my side. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. Absolutely. Because you know, you know one of the one of the hardest parts of leaving these relationships with toxic people is that they know the combination to your lock and once they learn it, they pop it. They know how to pop your lock. So whether that be they know how to piss you off or they know how to make you sad, they know how to make you feel nostalgic, they know how to make you miss them. And one of the hardest things about leaving a person like this is that they are the devil you know. So you know, sometimes the devil, you know, feels a lot more comforting than the fear of branching off and like making a new life for yourself. I certainly felt that way. I really struggled with one of the, one of the hardest things for me was that I just felt like at my age, I was, you know, destined for loneliness because I devoted, you know, the last years of my like young adult, you know, years and like my childbirth years and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Those, those good for fertile years to a man who had been cheating on me the whole time. Like he had robbed me of that. And the prospect of going off on my own and just determining that I'd be okay with that, that, okay, well, if it means I need to be alone, being alone is better than being abused. Mm -hmm. And it took that like, Encouragement from myself before I could finally leave. So, you know, I guess one of the other pieces of advice I would give is that your friends and your family are not therapists and they can only stand hearing about your toxic relationships so many times before they start to pull away from you Mm. and you burn bridges with your natural supports, which is part of what a narcissistic person is hoping for. They really like to isolate you. So, Really find yourself a good therapist who is uh, well-versed on narcissistic behaviors and really pour yourself out in those sessions and not with your support system. Mm
0: -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. I definitely overused some of my friends to talk about it. Luckily, I didn't lose them, but I'm sure they were sick of it. And, (laughs) And like we were talking about earlier, though, from the outside perspective, when you're not in it, the answer is clearly to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, every time. Yeah. But when you're in it, you're like, no, I'm invested this time. They're going to get better. They apologize, whatever that looks like. And it's so hard to do the thing Mm -hmm. that from the outside, you'd say, "Well, just leave, you know? So the reason that's
1: so easy for other people to say is because they're not in love with your partner.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) easy for me to tell you to leave the person who was mistreating you. Just like, it's very easy for you looking in to tell me to leave a person using me, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't love your guy. In fact, I think he's a giant, you know, (laughs) 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 use your imagination. And so, uh, yeah, it's real simple for me to tell you to leave, but that's not how it works. And trauma bonds are intense chemical connections to someone else based on cognitive dissonance and intermittent reinforcement. and, Uh, cognitive dissonance is just our body's way of trying to bridge the gap between two opposing thoughts. Like he is abusive to me, but I love to snuggle with him at night and watch Netflix. Those are the things I struggled with. Mm -hmm. I missed my snuggle buddy. I missed my, you know, for the adults listening, I missed my sexual partner. I missed the person who I connected with like really amazingly on a sexual level. Mm -hmm. That was really hard for me to lose. And that was the cognitive dissonance inside of me saying, well, it's not that bad. It's kind of the same thing people do when they know they need to quit smoking. The cognitive dissonance is, well, I know smoking kills. And then the gap that you bridge is you saying, well, you got to die somehow. So, I mean, and that's what we do. We spend so much time in these toxic relationships convincing ourselves that like, well, it's probably worse out there with other people. Well, Mm. somebody else might cheat on me too. Or you know, he didn't really hit me. He only pushed me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we end up in these situations. And it's really, really hard to leave them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's why even when I was done and you kept being like, are you still done kind of thing? And, and checking on me, I was like, yeah, you know, but, um, blew I, my appreci-
1: mind. I need you to know that blew my mind because <laughs> I, I would, I could be so adamant that I was done with this guy. I think I left them seven times. And on average, that's how many times a person leaves
0: a toxic relationship before it sticks. You're seven times. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh,
1: and, and you know, sadly with narcissists, they're usually the ones who leave you in the end. They discard you like a piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. And so if, if nothing else, people who are listening to this, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's abusing you and treating you badly, leave before they leave you because that pain, let me tell you, is like none other.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you have any advice then for people who want to start that healing process from their abuse?
1: Mm-hmm. Lots of introspection. Um, take it all the way back to childhood and try to determine what it was that made you stick around for somebody who
0: treated you badly. Mm-hmm. Are there any? No, I know you said therapists who have who are very well versed in that situation. Are there any other, like, resources that you have trusted? I know you named one earlier as well. Mm, the Little Shaman, she's,
1: uh, she's got a – it's more of, like, a, a podcast, but she records them and puts them out on YouTube. And uh, she is amazing. I also love Dr. Romani Diversula. Um, she has a lot of really helpful tips. Both can be found on YouTube.
0: Okay. I just – I still appreciate you talking about it because it's such a difficult – um, topic and topics to have, but unless we're talking about them, we feel alone and there's no resources to go to. And we don't know even where to start that healing process. So, right. mm -hmm. It's like math on your own. Um, first of all, you can't. And even if
1: you try, you sit there and you just stare at the numbers and you feel like giving up because you just feel so dumb. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's how it is when you're leaving a toxic relationship. But couple that with the brain fog they give you from the constant mistreatment, the sleep deprivation, the never ending, the circular arguments that you'll find yourself in with these people that last 12 hours. Um, they wear you down. And leaving them in a situation like that is like climbing a mountain with a stomach virus. Mm.
0: It, something else that was interesting in, in my case, and I remember you reaching out to me again when I posted about it, is that when I finally left, like my I was so anxious all the time that my body was just holding on to that stress. And as soon as I let go, like I started losing weight that I had held on to, and I had motivation again. And it was just so crazy to me, because I didn't get it, what that stress actually does to our body, even physically. So, just... And I know you said you had something similar as well.
1: I actually developed this little um, rhythm issue. It was like a a heart condition Mm -hmm. that was benign, but um, it really sort of ramped up there when he was having an affair. And I just couldn't understand how he could be so cold and callous about it. And that's another thing that will differentiate, you know, just a garden variety asshole from a narcissist is that a narcissist doesn't just cheat. They do it viciously they Mm -hmm. make you feel so bad about yourself and they do this through something called triangulation where they make you feel like you're in a competition with somebody else, whether that be the waitress or somebody at work or this new girl in my case. And so while that was going on, I lost like 20 pounds. My hair was falling out. I had this weird heart condition. Um, it was just a nightmare, and now my health is starting to just patch itself back together, but it does take a while.:
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, your body's still figuring it out, and yeah, it's still like traumatized almost where you it's just emotionally trying to piece itself back together, but um, it was just incredible incredible to see within the first week that start to go back to where I was before, so just an interesting yeah. piece of it.
1: I don't even pretend to be a scientist or doctor who understands, like, cortisol or, like, adrenal levels. But I know that, like, constantly being under pressure and stress makes your body dump adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been with somebody that's toxic and abusive, you know that you have these triggers. Um, For me, it would be something like his keys in the door. Um, So now anytime I hear keys, my body immediately has that Mm -hmm. fight or flight reaction and or a motorcycle or the garage door opening and that's because you're never sure what version of them is walking through the door today Mm -hmm. so you're constantly on edge and um yeah those relationships just make your body like overflow with adrenaline Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely is there anything that you maybe want to leave every everyone listening here today just with something else on your heart today or something you've been thinking about
1: Hmm. That's a really interesting question. (laughs) Um, What have I been thinking about? You know, I do have something that I've been thinking about a lot lately for the past couple of days that really ties into all of this. Mm -hmm. Stop pain shopping. If you are in a relationship with a person who's abusive or you've left a relationship with a person who just didn't treat you right or any variation of that, Stop looking at their social media. Mm. Stop, stop reading the words they write. Stop looking at the pictures they post of the new person they're dating because none of that is an actual representation of how that person's being treated. These people are patterned individuals, and if they treated you badly, it is a guarantee they're going to treat the next person badly. Mm. And that's just one part of why pain shopping is just so bad for you. But it's, the, the second part of that is that you're always looking for proof that you were wrong. And they will give you proof that you were wrong. They will post things to make you feel like the problem was always yours, that Mm -hmm. they're actually good. They're reformed. They're different with this new person. they, if you wanted them to go to church with you now, all of a sudden they're church going. If you wanted them to go on vacations, now all of a sudden they're posting pictures of the vacations that they're taking. Mm -hmm. They'll do things for the new person that you wanted. If you wanted an engagement ring, they're going to give the new person one. And when you're paying, shopping, you're going to see that. And it's mm-hmm. obviously going to be painful yes. and you don't desert that.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that's part of the, the hardest, not the hardest, but that is a difficult part is for you to wean or cold turkey yourself off of looking at their stuff ever again when that was part of oh, the issue.
1: No, I know this all too well. Mm-hmm. I, I spent the first four months of, um, you know, once I found out about the very young affair partner, I, would spend hours poring over every tiny little microscopic detail. You find yourself going down rabbit holes. Suddenly you're looking at like the person's second cousin's wedding that, you know, your, your partner and the affair partner didn't even attend. Mm -hmm. You look for like little clues and details and you try to patch things together. Like, is that a shadow? Is that his hand? Um, Why did she use that emoji? And I really like, I I can't even tell you, you lose sleep. You rob yourself of joy and Mm -hmm. your health.
0: You're absolutely right. Absolutely. So I know that you've put out so much amazing and like information and education out there. And I've only even watched a few, so I promise I'll continue to do that on your YouTube, but tell us how we can find you so we can learn more and just absorb more of what you have to offer.
1: Well, like I said earlier, I started that little YouTube channel, not to, um, you know, detract from what it's actually doing for people. But for me, it was just this little side project. So I call it my little YouTube channel, but I started that YouTube channel and, um, you could find that I use the name narc abuse. So N-A-R-C, abuse, Phoenix, uh, it's kind of a play on my red hair and, you know, rising from the ashes of an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So narc abuse, Phoenix on YouTube. And I just posted a new video yesterday, actually about, um, uh, the number one way to spot a narcissist, if you're questioning yourself or you need validation on the fact that you, uh, you know, left the relationship and you need encouragement that you've made the right choice.
0: Yeah. I'm so proud of you. And you're right. It is a plan, that beautiful red hair that you have, cause it's gorgeous. You're just stunning. So I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, thank you for chatting today. And I so appreciate it. You're just an incredible woman. And to anyone listening, if you do want to reach out to her, She will write you back, I promise. So (laughs) you are amazing at that stuff. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to The Shine Podcast. If you loved today's episode, share it with a friend. For show notes or any notes from past episodes, head to DaVista Photography. That's D-A-V-I-S-T-A photography.com forward slash blog for downloads, codes, and more. And as always, be the light the world needs. Smile, sparkle, and shine.